So we are in this series called Dream On, and it is a series about the life of Joseph. And there are a lot of things that we can learn from Joseph's life. Uh, his whole story, his life, it was a roller coaster. He's known for the coat of many colors. He's known for like purity and temptation. He was sold into slavery. But more than any of that, he's known as a dreamer. And here's what I know about all of us. We've all got dreams. Dream center, no pun intended. But we've all got dreams. We've got dreams for, you've got dreams for your success, your career. Some of you have dreams in ministry. Some of you have dreams about your marriage that you're going to have or the marriage that you want your current marriage to be. Some of you have dreams for your kids, dreams for your finances, that you could be a blessing to other people. But here's the thing. With all those dreams, God can see the beginning from the end. See, he can see your dreams in their inception, but then he can also see the destiny of those dreams being fulfilled. But here's the deal. We all, we have to live in the space in between our dreams and our destiny. And what we have to do is we've got to learn to navigate because this is the space that we live in, is the in-between. And we've got to learn to navigate that space well in the in-between. So the question, the biggest question for this series is how do we travel from our dreams to our destiny? How do we get there and how do we get there well? So last week we began Joseph's story and we found out that Joseph was born into an incredibly dysfunctional family. His father was a mess. He was deceitful from birth. That's a whole other story. Some of his brothers were murderers. They actually planned to, to murder him. And then later on, one of them had an affair with his father's wife. One of them had an affair with his daughter-in-law. I mean, if this was a reality show, it would have been like Jerry Springer. All right? I mean, it was, it was a mess. And so Joseph was the 11th son of 12 boys in this dysfunctional family. And the problems began, began when it became apparent and known that his dad loved him more than the others. And I tell you, parents... Favoritism among your children is a recipe for disaster. So Joseph's father, he not only preferred Joseph over his other 11 sons, he also had a favorite wife. Could you imagine how much division that that would cause? But <clears throat> when we meet Joseph, he is actually, he's this little, boastful, snot-nosed brat of a tattletale teenager. He's 17 years old. And even though he's not very mature with the gifts that God's given him of supervision, administration, leadership, God gives him a dream, a real dream. And in this dream, God illustrates to him that he is going to rule his family. And so right off the bat, he makes a huge mistake in the space between his dream and his destiny. Right off the bat, he held his dream with pride and with arrogance so much that his brothers hated him to the point that he, they planned on killing him. However, they, they ended up selling him to some slave merchants that went by. And so Joseph, Joseph learned in the very beginning that he had to lay down his pride. He had to lay down the pride that was in his life. And so last week we learned this. In fact, Joseph's lesson... The first thing that he had to learn in his journey was that the way that you hold the dreams that God gives you determines if and when they come to pass. So Joseph 
Obviously, he got this message because we never see pride in his life again. He deals with all, lots of other stuff. And, and a lot of you already know Joseph's story. But let's say you didn't know, or for maybe for some of us that don't know this story, you might think that because Joseph, lear, lo, Joseph learned his lesson, everything started to look up and the sun came out and everything went his way. Right? Maybe he escaped his slavery. Maybe his brothers fell bad and came and tried to buy him back out of slavery. Or maybe he just conquered his master. But actually, none of those were the case. Actually, that's not what happened at all. And so we're going to continue his story. Here it is. Uh, so he is hated by his brothers. His mother and father think he's dead. He thinks he'll never see them again, probably. He was, he was the most loved out of all of the family. He was the supervisor, the one in charge. He had the robe of many colors to show how important and loved he was. And now he's a slave, shackled to other slaves. I'm sure he went from having perfumes and lotions to smelling himself. Or worse, everybody else. He went from prince to pauper, as it seems. So we'll pick up the story in Genesis 39. It says, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, we'll call him Potty for short. That's my nickname for him. So he was an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's, who was like the king over Egypt, uh, officials. And so Potty was, uh, had an, one of the officials who was Potiphar, Potiphar uh, or Pharaoh had Potiphar as the captain of the guard, and he brought, bought him from the Ishmaelites, who were the st slave traders, and um, who, had been who had taken him there. So here Joseph is, who has been bought by Potiphar, who was one of Pharaoh's high-up ranking officials. And then, listen, we find a very strange verse, especially considering where Joseph is. And it's a verse that it seems to contain a conflict even within itself. It's a verse that, just to be honest, when I read it, and I imagine myself in Joseph's situation, it actually brings a tension in me that's palpable. It brings a tension that, to be honest, it makes me super uncomfortable. It, it may actually make you uncomfortable as well. So here he is. He's a slave, and the Lord was with Joseph. Time out. Really? Joseph goes from being a supervisor in his father's family to a slave. Really? And God is with him? Because, look, here's the tension. When God is with us, bad things don't happen to us, right? When God is with us, people can't hurt you. People can't steal from you. People certainly can't sell you if God is with you. See, when God's with me, only good stuff happens, right? See, we have situations in our lives that are way less devastating than what Joseph has gone through. And in those situations, like when I go through those situations, I tend to wonder, where's God? Is, is he even there? And if he's there, why doesn't he care? Joseph was sold into slavery, and God's with him? If God's with him, why would God let this happen? And look, it gets even worse. Not only does it say that the Lord was with Joseph, but it says that he was with Joseph so that he prospered. Seriously? How could Moses, who actually wrote this story through the inspiration of God, how could Moses say that Joseph prospered 
as a slave under these circumstances. I mean, maybe Joseph's circumstances slipped Moses' mind or something. Actually, nope, sorry, it didn't. Because it says, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Tension. And, and look, this brings me to a dilemma. Because when my life seems to have taken what seems to be a detour from my dreams, the way that I envision things on the way to my destiny, how in the world is God going to prosper me in my darkest circumstances? It says that God was with Joseph so that he prospered even though he lived as a slave. So let me, I dug into this just a little bit. And this word prospered, it actually, in the original Hebrew, it was a verb and it meant to rush or to make progress. The actual root word meant to push forward. The word prosper here has a military connotation to it. It actually means to overcome in a military sense, to actually rush on, to make, poor, to make progress, to push forward. And when I think about God prospering me or me overcoming something, I've got this image in my head of what that looks like, right? What that feels like. Maybe you do too. See, when, when I think about God's will for my life and the journey between my dream and my destiny, I imagine getting out of all the bad stuff, right? Being able to escape bad circumstances, in fact, I think of one of my favorite verses, Jeremiah 29, 11. This is God speaking to us, and he says, For I know I have the plans I have for you, plans to prosper. There it is. Prosper you, not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. The, the King James Version of this says this, Plans to give you hope and an expected end. Like, it's an end that I expect, Right? This is what I imagine. When I think about God being with me or God prospering me, me being an overcomer, what I think about, look, this verse is not talking about the journey. This is talking about your destiny, your destination, your outcome. And look, my problem, sometimes I think our problem, in fact, most people's problem including me is this is that we preconceive what the journey looks like right we read verses like jeremiah 29 and i see it as my journey i imagine the journey before me that is smooth sailing my expected end i imagine a journey where everybody acts the way they're supposed to I mean, we all do, right? We imagine a journey where your job is easy and fulfilling and filled with bosses who lead well and coworkers who are mature and thoughtful and always do their jobs well and pull their own weight. Or if you're a business owner or you run an organization, we think about the journey and the expected end as the expected end where God is with us. But we imagine the journey being our, our business or our organization full of employees who are competent and sharp. And when they mess up, they take responsibility. And they receive coaching well. And they own your business like you do. And for sure, you never have to fire anybody because everybody's understanding and respectful all the time. 
for, for you students, when you think about God being with you on your journey, when you think about God having plans to prosper you, your siblings are always kind and nice, and they never get on your nerves. And look, your parents, they always understand you and support you. When we think about God being with us on our journey, friends never fade away, and for sure they never betray us. When we think about God being with us, our country always makes sense. And although we, all, we disagree, we agree to disagree, and we live in harmony and unity, one nation under God, indivisible, with, with justice and liberty for everybody. Right? And if God is with us, and he has plans to give us hope and a future, your house stays clean after you clean it. Your in-laws, they mind their own business. Your children listen to you, and they do the things that you have taught them to do. And your marriage, you have a marriage where you never fight, and the constant sex is amazing. When we think about God being with us, prospering us, us overcoming, here's what we actually imagine. We imagine nothing to overcome. We imagine perfect circumstances. No obstacles. No storms, just pure bliss. And look, when I put it this way, look, it's obvious that this is a problem, right? That this doesn't make sense. But honestly, don't we all kind of think this? Don't we all expect this? God's with me. God's prospering me. I'm an overcomer. So why is all this stuff happening to me? And I think the reason for this is sometimes we just get fixated on the current circumstances, Right? And look, Joseph could have completely abandoned the dream and veered off course like a lot of us have done in the past. And look, if he had done that, the story would have been very, very different. But God saw something in Joseph's circumstances that maybe, perhaps, we can't see at this point in the story. And as we read through the story, we get to see Joseph's response to circumstances and how he navigated through what seemed to be like abandonment from God. And in the next few verses, we find the answers from Joseph in how to overcome this preconceived notion of our journey and the ultimate bliss that actually robs us of our destiny sometimes. So, continuing with the story in verse uh, 3. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, so look, it wasn't just that God was with him, but nobody knew it. It was that somebody, people could see. People could actually see God with him. So I want to ask this question. Could it be that when people around us see everything go wrong, when they see the diagnosis we have, we see the, the trials, could it be that that's when our light shines brightest? Sometimes when... Our world seems perfect. It's hard for other people to see that God's with us. Because, yeah, it could be God. But it could also just be your perfect life. Your perfect circumstances. In their mind, nothing ever bad happens to you. The truth is, we never know what's in a tea bag until you add hot water. And we never know, nor does anybody else ever know what's really on the inside until hot water is applied. In fact, you could say it this way. This is going to hurt, okay? Your maturity is only revealed in the hard times. Now, we don't like this, but it's true. 
and we all know it's true. Inherently, we know this is true. And the reason we know this is true is because we've all seen this with what seemed to be an incredibly well-behaved child who suddenly loses its mind when it doesn't get what it wants. Little Johnny is just as sweet as pie until he can't have the candy. We've all seen it in the grocery store. We've all seen it here at church. We've seen it in our own homes sometimes. But the truth is that the litmus test for maturity with a child or an adult, the the litmus test is when we don't get what we want, when things don't go the way that we expect them to go. I've seen teenagers go from 16 years old to 6 years old in 3.5 seconds when they don't get their way. Right? And and by the way, students, you want to prove to your parents how mature you are? You want them to treat you like you're mature. Prove it to them. And this is how you do it. How do you act when the answer is no? Uh Uh-oh. Look, this is how your, parents, how your parents know how mature you are, is when you don't get your way, when you don't get to go, when that person can't come over, whatever it is, how do you act? That's how you know how mature that you are. See, our maturity is only revealed in the hard times. And parents, don't smirk at your children because they see how you act when things don't go well as well. If we think everything's supposed to be easy, we're going to question God in the hard times. And this is, why, this is what I want you to go home with today. And we see this true in the scripture as well as in our own life. And that is this, that God is faithful to his promised outcomes, but not an easy journey. Now, we don't like this truth, but it is truth. God is faithful to his promised outcomes. He's always faithful to his word. But it doesn't seem like... It's always an easy journey. Now, we don't want to believe for a difficult journey, and you shouldn't. And you want to be careful. Your words have power, so you want to be careful what you say about your current or future journey. We're going to cover that in another message within this series. But listen, if we think that the promised outcome constitutes an easy journey, my friends, we are going to forget that God is with us when it doesn't happen. See, Potiphar could evidently see that God was with Joseph. And I believe that it's because of the maturity in Joseph's reaction to the circumstances. I believe that Joseph kept an awareness that God was still with him. And let me tell you a secret. God's always with you. Look, if you follow Jesus, you've dedicated your life to him and you're following after him, he, the Bible says, the scriptures say, he will never ever leave you or forsake you but here's our question are you aware of it regardless of the circumstances do we forget in the heat of everything that god will never leave us that he will never forsake us and because our circumstances are bad we think that the journey is uh is is abandonment of god but an even bigger question is this even if you're aware of his presence do you act like it regardless of your circumstances? Even though God is with us regardless, the people around us can only see that God is with us when we don't let circumstances rob us of the awareness that he is with us. You see, your faith is the brightest in the dark to the world. And that's when people see. 
And I think that because Joseph never forgot that God was with him, it affected his actions, and that affected how he carried himself, and that affected how he performed. And because of that, it says that when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, you see, when you know that God is with you regardless, when you can see those things that are not as though they are, People around you, they can tell. Because when everybody else gets negative, your dream is still in your heart. And you have no preconceived idea of the journey other than God is with you. And it'll end up you overcoming. And so here's the thing. When you understand that, you keep your eyes on the dream and the destiny. And when that happens, the same thing that happened with Joseph can actually happen to you. And Joseph found favor in the eyes of his master and, be, and got promoted. Joseph found favor in his eyes. Even in these horrible circumstances, Joseph found failure. We think of God's favor as something we pray for and he decides to anoint us with. But can I tell you, sometimes God's favor on your life is a natural response when people see you navigating your difficult situations as though you believe God is with you. In fact, uh, James, Jesus' half-brother, he would have seen Jesus go through the most horrible things, through betrayal, abandonment, excruciating physical pain, and even death. And this is what he said about the trials that we seem to go through. James 1-2, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Is this our attitude when we face trials? Do we consider it not just joy? We're crazy. We consider it pure joy. When we face lots of trials, many kinds. If we understand that our dreams are not going to take our expected route sometimes, then you can react differently to them you can count it as pure joy because you know the end at the beginning and the journey the middle has nothing to do with your destiny and if you're going to ex accept your destiny or if you're going to get to your ex your destiny but how you react in the journey has everything to do with it whenever you find many kinds of trials count it as pure joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, endurance, faith, strength. Because when you're aware that God is with you, the testing of your faith of many kinds, it actually produces perseverance. It produces more strength, more endurance. And when that happens, we have to let perseverance finish its work so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. But the key word there is let. You see, you've got to let perseverance finish its work. You don't, I mean, you don't have to let perseverance finish its work, but you can actually jump, you can jump ship when your faith is tested. And when we do that, mainly it's because we have this notion that because, because God's with me, my journey's going to be easy. And we get confused. And we interpret the promises of God to actually mean there's never going to be trials. They're not going to be trials, or they'll be easy. See, 
our destiny is that we are complete, not lacking anything. That's the promise, the expected end, our destiny. And in between the dream and the destiny is this journey. And it is a journey that according to Jesus, according to James, it's going to include trials of many kinds, storms, as Jesus called them. And even though we may not like the route, we may not like the journey that we're on in this moment, we understand that it is only a journey and we can push through from just a dream in our heart to a destiny in our future. And we can do that actually knowing that he is there with us. And my friends, that will affect everything. It'll affect, it'll affect what you say, it'll affect what you do. And look, but if you expect everything to be smooth sailing because you're an overcomer, that you shouldn't have anything to overcome, that I'm not gonna have any storms like Jesus talked about, I'm not gonna have any bumps in the road, any obstacles. If we expect that, my friends, we're gonna stumble over the dream when things get hard. We're going to get discouraged constantly. And look, Joseph, I believe, knew this. James, Jesus' brother, he understood this. And even the Apostle Paul, he knew this. In fact, he wrote this in Romans 8, 28. He said, and we know that in all things, that means all things, all the good stuff, all the bad stuff, in all things, God works for the good of those who loved him, who have been called according to to his purpose. And if we don't understand that our dream is going to take unexpected routes, your faith's going to take a hit. As opposed to, well, all right, I know God turns everything around for my good, so let's go. Let's do it. See, we got to understand that life, it's full of storms. But you're still an overcomer in all those storms. You don't just have to take it you're an overcomer. But when we understand both those truths at the same time, my friends, you become powerful. Some people, they think they're an overcomer, so that means there should be no storm. So when the storm comes, they question what God says about it. But some people, hopefully you and I, what if we could see things differently? What if, even when we see storms everywhere, many types of trials, what if we're not moved? Because we know that God is with us. And because God is with us, he prospers us. In other words, we are overcomers. We win in every situation if we don't give up and we speak the word of God. Some people think that, you know, that there's going to be this rosy journey. But we've got to understand that we have the, all the power to overcome him, even though those situations aren't going to be like that sometimes. Both of those together makes you incredibly powerful. And this is what I believe that Joseph understood and why he could always rise to the top of every nasty circumstances that he went through. And look, this is not the last of the bad things that happened to Joseph. And he, God did not leave him in slavery. Slavery was not God's will for him. He moved beyond that. And there are other stories in the Bible where people were enslaved and they didn't react this way. They actually broke out of their slavery. And so this is not a diagnosis for everything. What this is, I'm trying to get you to see, is that if you can realize and keep in your forefront of your, of your, of your knowledge and your memory that God is with you and that he will prosper you in every circumstance 
then you will be able to withstand all of those trials and end up at your destiny. Let's fast forward 13 years. Joseph, little teacher in future messages, Joseph gets to see his brothers again. But when he does, he makes this statement where we get to see a glimpse of what was inside of his heart the whole time. What carried him through all of these trials? Genesis 50, 20. This is Joseph talking to his brothers. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. Although God didn't create Joseph's trials, he didn't create his storms, his brothers did. Joseph understood that God could take those things that were intended, that other people intended to harm him, and God would turn it around to accomplish the destiny that he had for Joseph's life. And look, you've got a lot of things that have happened to you that God's not the author of. Maybe somebody did something to you. Maybe you were your own worst enemy in a situation. But let me tell you, God is not the author of evil. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God comes that you might have life. God is not the author of divorce. God is not the author of sickness. God is not the author of disease. He's not the author of abuse. He's not the author of lack or poverty. However, God understands how to take what others intended to harm you and turn it around for your good to accomplish what his destiny for your life is. But for today, my challenge for you is to re-examine maybe some of the obstacles, the resistance, the trials in your life. And see, just maybe, if God is not using those things to point you in the direction of your dream. My challenge to you is to be open to what God is trying to do in the middle of our obstacles, of our trials, of our storms. That, that we, can re- we can embrace redirection when things are not going well. Because re- redirection can be the first step to your enlightenment. Joseph remained faithful to dream that God put in his heart. That didn't mean that the journey would be easy. But his understanding is what helped him keep his awareness of what God had, had that God was with him, which affected his actions in his mouth, which in, affected his favor with those that around him. And that's why Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted to his care everything he owned. And from the time that he put him in charge of his household, And of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And they all lived happily ever after. Actually, that's not the way the story ends. It's more drama, more storms are in in Joseph's future. But we'll pick that up next week. All right? Would you stand with me?